Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. Welcoming up David, the man, the myth, the legend, Knox. That's his legal birth name. The man, the myth, the legend, Knox, right? And this man is going to, tonight, he is talking about the gift of singleness, right? And talking about what it is, and if you are single in this room, how do you give that to the Lord and have a good perspective on it, okay? So, David Knox, Lord, we've just blessed this man. We thank you for him, Lord, and I thank you. I've seen, I've watched him in the season of singleness of his life, give it all to you and glorify you in it, God. So I know this is something that he has an authority to preach on and he lives it out. And so I thank you so much for it. I pray that we learn tonight and that you'd speak to us. Even those who are dating or even married, Lord, would you find something to speak right into our hearts during this? But we bless him in your name. Amen. So get ready. Take some notes. It's going to be awesome. You're going to want to remember this good stuff, okay? All right, take it away, David. Hello, can you hear me? All right, it's easy to want what you don't have. Doesn't it feel like (laughs) when you're single that there's just so many things that you can't have? Like, dang, I'm single. I don't know if I can have my own family. Doesn't it kind of feel like my ministry hasn't totally started yet? Like, what if I'm going to do it with him? What if I'm going to do it with my wife? Doesn't it kind of feel like, what do I do with my sex drive? It's easy for that lie to creep in that our lives are just totally on hold until that person comes. And and that it's not going to be easy, that I just have to endure this season until that person's there, until I'm married. Everything we think the world tells us that we need to get from a relationship, the fulfillment, the family, the ministry, all that we can have right now while we're single. Okay, all of that we can have right now when we're single. <laughs> and um, I, I think it's crazy because it seems like they're right. It seems like what culture is telling us, like, man, maybe, maybe I can't have my own family because I even move out of my parents' house and I'm gone, right? But before I go on, I just want you to know that um, some of the next stuff that I'm about to say, I'm quoting from some other pastors. Not all of it, but there's this guy named Jeff Vines. Um, He's a pastor at CCV Church, which you may not have heard of, but he's awesome. And he also read through Timothy Keller's writings and synthesized some of those. So the theology of singleness that we're going through for the next couple of minutes, some of it might be from your boy Tim Keller and from uh, Jeff Vines. And I know you like Jeff. So... (laughs) um, Yeah, you can have all of these things when you're single, your own family, ministry, and an answer to the sex drive problem. So we're going to start out looking at the passage in the Bible that talks about singleness. And this is 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 7 through 8. This is the passage that most clearly talks about singleness in the Bible. This is Paul talking, and he says, I wish that all were as I myself am. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. The implication there is that the gift that Paul has is he's single. (laughs) To the unmarried and to the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. Boom. There it is, right? The gift that Paul has, some people are given this gift, some people are given this gift. Paul's gift is that he's single at the time that he's writing this. 
So, why is Paul calling it a gift? He's not just commanding us something that we thought was a curse we should actually be thankful for, something that we thought was a temporary punishment. He's actually letting us know that that temporary punishment is a unique gift and that each and every person gets to enjoy a season of singleness. And it was a gift that God is trying to give us, a time for us to shape our character. And it's not meant to be a punishment. It's not meant to be a reflection of our own immaturity. It is the good thing that God's doing in you right now. And I think that being single gives you actually the opposite of a hard time in ministry. Sometimes we think, man, until my partner comes, I can't do ministry. But we know that people who are married can do ministry. We know that pastors who are married can do ministry. But single people can do ministry too. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 32 to 35, it says, I want you to be free from anxieties. This is Paul talking again in the same passage. He says, the unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord and how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things. And what worldly things? How to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the implication is divided between the two. Now, before I go on, it's not like the married man or the married woman just isn't concerned about the things of the Lord at all. Remember, it said his attention is divided, right? And so he's concerned about the things of the Lord and pleasing the Lord and pleasing his wife, right? But the single person is only concerned about pleasing the Lord. So, (laughs) um, and the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and in spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. And Paul is literally telling you, I'm saying this for your own benefit, not to lay a restraint upon you, like, I don't know, you can never get married. He's not laying that restraint on you, but actually he's trying to promote good order to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. And let me tell you, he's not rebuking the married people that they don't have undivided devotion. He's calling them to pursue devotion with the Lord together, right? And for the unmarried people to recognize they can have undivided devotion right now. They just got to get right inside of themselves, They don't have to get right and get together with their wife and then get with the Lord. They're just like, I'm getting with the Lord, right? So so when you have an undivided detention, you have a unique opportunity in your ministry. I mean, if you just think about it for a second, if God was looking for a chess piece like a queen or a bishop that he was trying to strategically move all the way across the world, like I want you to be a long-term missionary, and guess what? Wuhong, China, right? He's trying to move you right there. God's going to send someone who's single. And dude, if he sends you, that's the safest place in the world for you. Let me tell you, it is safer for you there than even here in America. Quarantine. So <laughs> if God wanted strategically move someone, he's probably going to choose someone who's single. Now, there's married couples. There's Heidi Baker. There's people out there, right, who are doing the ministry. But the chess piece that's, like, on the board, ready to go, might be someone who's single, right? Because you don't have to worry about your kids in Wuhan. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, um, and when you're being single, this is the time of preparation in your life. Trust me, biblically, there's even more advantages to being single than we're going through right now. And so... There's advantages of being married as well, and the synergy actually makes up for many of the advantages that the Bible outlines for being single. That's how powerful the bond of marriage is, is that it can actually set you up for ministry just like being single can set you up for ministry. And I know you guys might not know this, but in the ancient world, and maybe in America today, 
singleness was never placed on the same playing field as being married and being in a relationship. Singleness was always kind of seen as less than, right? It was always kind of seen as, well, maybe you're not totally complete. You know how people are saying they're looking for their other half? Well, what happens when I don't have half, right? And so Paul is really one of the first authors of his time to place singleness on the same playing field as marriage and say, they're both good. You're both okay. Remain as you are. Learn to be content as you are, even if you do change, because, you know, Something might happen. Your wife might die or something eventually, right? Your husband might die, (laughs) or you might find that person. But for singleness, there's advantages, right? And so the next advantage I want to talk about is family. Sometimes you think, man, I'm not going to have a family until I have my own kids. How can I have a legacy if I don't have children? How can I leave a mark on this life and this generation if it's just me, right? But for singleness, there's actually no limit to the descendants that you can have, You see, when I get married, suddenly I have 14 cousins, right? Eight cousins on my side, six cousins I got from her, right? And these are some people that I start pouring my life into. But when you're single, you have maybe the family that you have, but everyone in the family of God can be someone that you're pouring into. Everyone can be someone that you're investing in as a spiritual son or daughter, right? And you might ask, wait, can't married people do that too? Yeah, they can, but guess what? They got a newborn, (laughs) you know what I mean? And so that's taken a lot of their time, time that they're not spending discipling people, time that they're, I mean, they're discipling that one, right? So they're doing the thing they're supposed to do, right? I mean, the Bible says a man that doesn't, you know, take care of his own household is worse than an unbeliever. So take care of your own household, right? Start with the household. But what I'm trying to say is you have so much more time and a unique opportunity. That's right, man. You have a unique opportunity here to disciple so many people. And there are people that you might journey with for two years that you might pour your life into for a couple years and you might end up spending the rest of your life with them, right? But sometimes when you're married, it just takes everything inside of you to just be with this like two-month-old or this two-year-old, right? Because they just take all of your time and they have a lot of needs and that's okay. So you can have a supernatural family. You can have more spiritual moms and dads, and it's harder, it's, it's harder to find the time to have all of that stuff, right? I mean, when you have a child, sometimes you're committing to these like 18, 20, whatever it is, consecutive years of putting all this time and investment of them possibly living in the same place as you. I mean, that's crazy. I, the amount of time that I can spend investing in someone's life to bless their life, to help them build a foundation of spiritual disciplines is so much less versus the amount of time that I spend in a human being right, to take them all the way from birth to adulthood, right, and they might not even be an adult at 18, so, <laughs> so what I want you to know is that Matthew 19, 29, it says, everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake, this is Jesus talking, will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life, right, and so what's crazy here is that the return is not something that comes in the eternal life, right? In, in, in the sense that it's not something we're getting once we get to heaven. You can have that return right now. Because like John 17, 3 says that we're not going to read right now, your eternal life has already begun. Eternal life is knowing Jesus. It's not being on a cloud somewhere in heaven, right? And so if there's a return on investment for giving up that family for a season and being blessed with a spiritual family, that return is coming to you right here, right now, because you're single and you gave up the opportunity to have a family and God is going to bless you with a spiritual family. And there is also a blessing for finding a wife, right? And finding a husband because he who finds a wife finds a good thing, right? So they already have some of the blessing, right? And so because you're waiting on it right now, there's a good that God's giving you now. And it's going to be different. Trust me, it's going to be way different once you're married. So, (laughs) and so the last thing I wanted to talk about is what do I do with my sex drive, right? 
I have this desire. I have all these feelings, right? I have this appetite. It's not inherently wrong. You start with not feeling shame about it, right? We imagine that since we're single and we, we just can't fulfill that, that, you know, we just don't know what to do with it. But sometimes we've never asked the question about, is there anything that we're doing to aggravate that? Is there anything we're doing to exacerbate that? I think sometimes we don't realize how much of an effect the media in our Western culture is having on us. I mean, if you just think about what you're reading and think about what you're want, watching, no wonder we want sex so much, right? Our culture kind of elevates it, that like, if you're not having sex, you're not living, right? And that's what the rap music's talking about. That's what the songs are talking about. They kind of set it up on this pinnacle, like, and especially for men, dude, like we have this belief that maybe sex, like some of us anyways, that sex can solve everything, but it doesn't, right? There's so much more to it. And trust me, you want to learn self-control now, because when you're in the relationship, right, when you're married, there's tons of times where you're going to need to exercise self-control, right? It's not like, man, I need all this self-control once I'm single, and then once I'm married, like, it's all good. No way, dude. Like, there might even be a day. There's going to be multiple days where you're like, man, I think I want to have sex, and me and my wife doesn't. Oh, did I just say that in church? Yeah, it might happen. So it's a good idea to learn self-control now, because there literally might just be a time where you're like, well, we're just not doing that right now, I guess. And you have got to have the self-control to not go somewhere else. So I think many times our sex drives can be out of control because of the books that we're reading, because of the things that we're watching. We've let things into our eyes that is the lamp of our body, right? And we don't realize how much of an effect it's having on us. I mean, when I don't know if you've ever tried fasting from food, but if you fast from food after the third day, you stop even being hungry for food. I just did this recently, and you're like, I don't even want food anymore, right? You don't even feel the hunger pains anymore. And so for some of us, I don't think we've actually tried taking away those things that stimulate our desires, right? And that's part of the reason it's so out of control. Or maybe we've crossed some boundaries before, and we're like, man, this is hard. But let me tell you this. Let me assure you of this. Controlling your sex drive and learning self-control, it's going to take God's supernatural strength to do. But do it now. Don't be scrambling to do it once you're already married. Controlling your sex drive is going to take community. It's going to take other people. There's no way you're going to learn self-control on your own. But do it now. You do not want to be doing this while you're in a relationship. You don't want to realize on the wedding night or whatever that you're like, whoops, I don't know how to wait. So <laughs> we all got to check our hearts because like we talked about earlier, sometimes we're just putting garbage in there, right? We're not going to read the whole verse today, but Matthew 6.22 is that verse that talks about how your eye is the lamp unto your body, right? And sometimes we're putting all this stuff into our eyes that provokes and excites and ignites that desire in us. And that's why it feels like this unquenchable fire, right? God gave us that need and meant it to be a good thing. But sometimes you woke up the bear, right? <laughs> so you got to learn self-control. <laughs> so... It's important, I know. This is important because God is building character in you. Like I said, I already said that. Dang, dude. <laughs> All right. And so if you thought, if you thought that that was, was awesome, you're not ready for this. So God <laughs> is developing character inside of you right now. And it's in more than just the season of singleness, right? He's trying to give you the tools in the toolbox that you need before you get married because you're going to need it. Lord knows it. And so what I want to look at really quickly is Isaiah 520, right? Because our culture has started to call singleness something bad. It started to look at singleness as a negative thing. And we just talked about how the Bible says singleness is a gift. So Matthew 520, it says, woe to those who call evil good 
and who call good evil, who replace darkness with light and light with darkness, who replace bitter with sweet and sweet with bitter, right? And this is what we see in our culture today, that things that are actually good, right, like singleness, they're considered bad. And things that will literally kill you, right, that will steal from you and ruin your life, they're exalted as good. I mean, just imagine the way that our culture views things like, you know, substance abuse and excessive alcohol and stuff like that. It's like the only way to have a roaring party, right? But this stuff will literally kill you, right? And there's a big difference between what culture is talking about and just having some wine with the old chicken, right? And so, (laughs) okay, so... We're going to talk about some things that build character in you. And it's more than just this season of being singleness. To build character, God has given you another gift besides being single. The friend zone. (laughs) Can I just say clearly that the friend zone is not a death sentence? Man, I know we've heard complaints and we see all those posts on Instagram about like, oh man, I'm like in the friend zone. Like, dude, it's over for me. My life is over. She called me her brother, right? But let's just think about this for a second, okay? You're only going to marry one person in your life. That means literally everyone else. Say everyone else. So literally everyone else, guys, in your life, they're not going to be your partner. They're going to be in the friend zone. Both genders, they're going to be sitting there in the friend zone, right? When you're married, you're not just going to only hang out with the bae. You're going to have friends. You guys are going to have board game nights or you're not going to make it. You want your kids to have friends, right? you got to be friends with the dog parents or whatever it is, right? There's going to be people in the friend zone for you. So you want to develop those skills now. The friend zone is not a form of exile or punishment. The friend zone is when oftentimes someone's actually trying to say, I choose you. I value you as a friend, right? Many times, they're literally in the middle of trying to give you a compliment. They're right in the midst of trying to say that they value you, that they like spending time with you, right? I mean, sure, you might feel like, oh, man, this so hurts my chances of getting in a romantic relationship with that person. But let's be serious here. Relationships that work are always between friends anyways. Maybe you have to spend a little bit of time in exile to the friend zone, right? But it doesn't mean you're stuck there forever. And many times, God's given this to us as a gift to develop our character, to develop our capacity to wait. And so we can learn how to have friends. You're going to have to know how to talk to girls. You're going to have to know how to talk to guys. So talk to your friends now. Hang out with your friends now. Learn how to have a board game night without just thinking about which girl you want to be with now. Because otherwise, when you're with your wife, you might be thinking about other women. And it's going to be weird. All right. And I'm telling you, dude, you're going to need some advice from women if you want to get with the woman that you want. You're going to need some advice from some men if you really want to be with that man. So you need to get those friends in your life. You're going to need to ask them some questions because let me tell you right now, I can't figure out how women think. I don't know what's going through their heads, right? It is so crazy sometimes. So you want to make sure that there's a friend in your life who's a woman who you can ask, right? And same thing, guys, you don't even know what we're thinking about because sometimes it's nothing, right? So you're going to have to ask, guys, what's going through his head? Like, oh, he just wants pizza, dude. That guy is hungry. He's not even mad at you, right? He just really wants to go to Panda Express right now. And they close at 9 o'clock. So, (laughs) anyways... There's people that you're going to journey with, and you want to learn how to be friends now. God gave you the friend zone as a place that you could be protected. Like I said, literally sometimes people are trying to tell you, look, you're an awesome person. They're not trying to say that you're their enemy, right? They like spending time with you. And so just be friends with them. You know what I mean? All right. If you plan to pursue a woman 
and you want to find partnership with them, you're going to have to learn how to talk with them, right? And like I said, the people that are in the friend zone can actually be a huge resource for you, right? And sometimes we put ourselves in the exile land of friend zone when people haven't even friend zoned us. We literally think because she's like, oh, she just used the word friend when she was referring to me one time in conversation. We're like, exiled, exiled to the friend zone. Like, I'm just a friend, just a brother, right? There's like small phrases that were like, oh man, she said that. That means there's no chance, never, never, ever. She doesn't want to marry me not even thinking about me like that. And it's literally because I'm overweight or something like that. And we just turn it into something crazy. They were literally trying to give us a compliment and we've tried to turn this into some crazy turnaround backhanded dig, right? And we're like, this person just said they like you. They enjoy spending time with you, but maybe they don't want to be in a relationship with you. You know, sometimes we think people are trying to preemptively friend zone us, like just in case, right? You know, and most of the time when that's happening, they're just trying to say that they, they enjoy being friends with you, right? And they want to take the pressure off of it, that you're not trying to impress them to be in a relationship and they're not trying to impress you, right? They might just be trying to clarify expectations and taking that pressure valve off of the relationship, right? They might even be in the midst of about to pursue someone else and they don't want you to be heartbroken, right? And so they're just trying to communicate. But yeah, sometimes you get exiled to the friend zone. (laughs) Sometimes you can feel like I had that conversation this week. But just know Just like singleness feels like a curse, but it's a gift. Just like singleness, our culture says, man, that's whack, right? (laughs) That's what the friend zone is like. It's not a meme. It's not exile. God gave it to you as a gift. You are always going to have friends, right? And everyone in the world is going to be in the friend zone except for one. Tell that to Bay. So (laughs) singleness is an important season of building character. And if God gave us the relationship that we want, If we got to be with the person we've been hoping for right now, for many of us, we would probably just blow up, right? We don't have the grace. We don't have the patience. We don't have the actual self-control to be with that person right now. And God's not holding some good thing over here saying, like, you can't have this right now, right? I'm, I'm taking the good thing and you can't have it. Look, if he gave it to you, it wouldn't even be good because we might not be able to carry it. We haven't learned all the lessons that we need from the friend zone yet. We haven't grown in self-control like we need to in our season of singleness, right? And you need more self-control when you're married than when you're single. There, I said it. You need more. You're going to grow in self-control. And if you find a wife that's any good, she's going to help you learn even more self-control than you already had because Lord knows you are both going to need it, right? (laughs) And so the good that you have right now in this season is preparing you for the future gift that God has for you. But it's only going to be a gift. It's only going to be good once your character is there to receive it, once the patience is there to receive it. And sometimes that comes from the place of exile, which is actually God trying to give you a gift, God trying to hook you up, God trying to give you the character that you need to sustain the promise that he has you for you. Like Psalm 84:11 says, it says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. I mean, I like that. He said, the Lord will give grace. The Lord will give glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. God is not withholding good things from you guys. He's not just holding something over here like, you can just have this once you're ready. It's not even that. It's not even good right now. There's no way for God to give you that thing that you want because you will blow up, right? (laughs) Or maybe they'll blow up. Maybe you're good, dude. Shoot, maybe they're just in a process. You're like, I want my soulmate. And you're like, she's still cooking, right? And like, you're ready, so just keep enduring. Just, just do it, dude. All right, so if God's not withholding good things from us, it's not good yet, right? 
And don't worry about missing it. God's helping you get it right. And trust me, you have plenty of women who have friends on you who can help you make sure that you don't miss it, right? You have plenty of guys who friends on you. I don't even know if I just did that gender right. And they're going to help you like, dude, don't be blind. Or they might call you do that. Like, don't be blind. Like, say something to him, right? I know he's the guy, but say something, right? At least give him a hint. So <laughs> there's no way I'm saying that. So <laughs> there's a time that looks right to us, but sometimes it just leads to death and heartbreak, right? If we trust God, he's going to protect us. And we don't have time to go into all the stories, but God has fiercely protected me in my life from relationships. And many of the times God saved me from heartbreak, it was actually through women who were in the friend zone who literally called me their brother, right? <laughs> and they told me, that girl's not good for you. And that hurt a lot. I'd be like, man, I don't even have a chance with you. And you try to destroy my chance with the other person, right? But they were trying to help me. And they saved me from some really bad relationships, right? I don't even, I, that was pretty extroverted. I, that wasn't in my notes. So <laughs> my point is that before God's timing, even good things can be bad. The right thing at the wrong time is absolutely the wrong thing and can wreck our lives. And so I want to give you some practical takeaways Okay, my phone's not turning on. So, <laughs> some practical takeaways that we're just going to do fast because we don't know how long we have. So, number one, be friends before you're in a relationship with anyone. Be friends with others because you're going to have tons of friends in your life after you're married. And you're going to have to have self-control around other groups of friends and other married people. So, number two, practical you can fast some of the media, fast some of the things. Don't do the things. Don't watch the things that are triggering and sparking the longing in you. Like, if you're literally listening to that sappy love music, that might be part of the reason you can't stop thinking about being with someone, right? And you're going to need to learn self-control. Look, there's certain movies that I just can't watch, and I can't tell you what song or what movie or what thing does that for you or what is too far, right? And maybe some of the people in the friend zone who are journeying with you can actually help you with that. But for a lot of us, we need to fast from some things. We need to stop watching some things. Stop listening to some things, and that's going to help with the sex drive going down. And just like eating, if I just stopped for three days, you'd be surprised how much the desire goes down. Okay, and then for the legacy and family thing, just know that you have a spiritual family who's journeying with you together. And don't cut whole people out of your life because you got friend-zoned. They might be a part of your spiritual family that God is weaving into your story, and you might actually have something really important to share with them. And you're sitting there thinking they rejected you when they actually said, I really value your friendship, brother. <laughs> All right. Crazy. All right, let's pray. God, we just thank you so much for what you're doing. God, we just pray right now for your spirit to just be poured out. And we just pray that you would speak through our small groups, that you would just bless our small group leaders because they're going to need some guidance in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, can you give it up for David? Just like a fire hydrant of like a bunch of awesome information. So good, man. I love what he said is that I think the main thing for you, if you were to take away one thing, is just knowing that this is a season God gives you to build the character you are going to need when you're dating and when you're, I love what you said, the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing, you know? If God brought that guy to you now and you have no character, you're gonna blow up the very relationship you're longing for, right? So use the season of singleness to build that character that's gonna carry you into marriage, right? I love that. So good, man, so good. Give it up for him one more time. Fantastic. All right, guys, we got about 20-something minutes. I'll let you know when it's 9 o'clock, but go ahead. We're gonna jump into small group time. 
Thank you for listening to the Crux Podcast Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit SummitSanMarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.